It's, it's, it's interesting to note that when King David died, he gave instructions to his son Solomon that would take over his kingdom. And in the same fashion, we, we're going to look at this passage in, in Matthew 28 where Jesus gives his last instructions. It's almost like when you go out of the house in the morning, if you're married, you, you, all, you almost kind of get instructions for the day. How many of you get the instructions? Uh, the men now, from your wife. A <laughs> couple of hands like slipping up, but, but in this passage where we're going to look at, to, what, what, what we're going to look at tonight, we, we see this passage where Jesus, after his death and resurrection, and we've spoken about that and the importance of what Jesus did on the cross, he now comes to his disciples and, and they are kind of, they are a little bit confused. I mean, Jesus... They thought that he was the, the king that's going to uh, deliver them from the Roman Empire and the, imp- uh, the, the oppression from the Roman Empire, and, and they are kind of confused. With the death of Jesus, they thought it was over. And then there's the resurrection, and they kind of get this new hope, and, and some of them were still uh, a little bit of, of, of little faith, and is it really Jesus? Is it a ghost? And, but what's happening now? And I want to take you to the passage. In Matthew 28, where Jesus comes and he gives the great commission. And I'm sure that all of us has um, read this passage and we know the context of what Jesus said in the great commission. But, but before I go there, I just want to sum up the gospel and, and what we spoke about. Number one, I am saved. How many of you are saved? I'm saved by, by Jesus, but, I, but I'm saved so that I can have new life in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. But I'm not only saved for heaven. I'm not only saved that I can live this life and then maybe one day go to heaven. In fact, Jesus, at some point when he was praying for his disciples, he, he prayed this prayer. He said, Father, I pray not that you take them out of this world, but I pray that you protect them and be with them in this world. So number one, we are saved, but, but we are saved And then we are equipped to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. And that equipping is where we we are part of our church family. That's where our equipping takes place. So we are saved, we are equipped, but then we get to a very important aspect of of our life in in Jesus Christ, this, this new life in Christ, and that is that I'm called to take this victory that Christ has paid and imparted into my life. Not only to have victory over sin and not only to have victory over the things that I struggled with or struggle with, but that I can have this new life and, and that I can take this victorious experience through the word and through the scripture and through our fellowship and I can now go to a world that is broken, that is lost and also needs good news. And I think Kuba said it in, in one, of the, one, of the, one of the messages, he said, Everywhere I go, or everywhere we go, everywhere you go, preach the gospel using words only when necessary. And that's what we are called to do. We are called to take this victory and take it to my world and be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. So, so let's go to this, this words of Jesus in the Great Commission. Let me just put it on. There we go. Um, 
I'm saved, new life in Jesus Christ. I'm equipped to live this life of victory. And uh, we are equipped as, in our church family. And then I'm called to take this victory into my world. And Jesus comes now in Matthew 28 and he speaks to his disciples. And we're going to pick up this conversation in verse 18 of Matthew 28. Jesus speaks to them. He says, Then Jesus came close to them and he said, All authority in heaven and uh, all authority of the universe has been given unto me. Now, this is the Passion Translation. uh, but, but the traditional translation says, All authority on heaven and in earth has been given unto me. All authority of the universe has been given unto me. Now, or therefore, go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to fulfill to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you to do. And this is so powerful for me as well. When Jesus ends this this conversation with his disciples, as he commissions them, he says, And never forget that I am with you every day until the completion of this age. And when we look at the Scripture, this last, this, these last words of Jesus, this instruction that Jesus gives us about the gospel, about the good news, he really says that, that we are to take this, what he imparted unto us, this new life, being saved, being equipped, and then being called and going into the world and to go and make disciples. Now, when I was meditating on this, I, I thought to myself, Jesus didn't say that... Um, the Great Commission is a great suggestion. He said, no, no, it's a great commission. So Jesus is not making a suggestion to say, well, you know what, guys? I've, I've done everything. I've, I've broken the power of sin. I've taken back the keys of hell and the grave. I've given you authority and I've saved your life. I've taken you out of darkness and now you are in light so that you can have a nice life with me and if you want to you can go to church and if you want to you can maybe share some of the good news with your friends and if you want to you can pray for people and and if you want to um, it would be a great suggestion if if you want to take this good news that you have found and, and maybe go go tell it to other people you see Jesus didn't give a great suggestion he gave he gave us a great commission And there's power in that commission. A commission is an instruction um, or a command or a role that's given to a person or to a group. And as Christians, Jesus gives us the great commission personally in our personal lives. But he also gives us a great commission as a church, as his body, as his bride, um, to go out into a community and to go change a community with the good news of the gospel. Now this group of people that a commission has been given, in the olden days, whenever a king, for example, gave a commission to, to a leader, that leader gave the commission to, to the people under him, um, that commission had to stamp the seal, the authority of the king. 
So whenever the, let's say for example, I was in the kingdom and, and the king said and he gave a command and I went and I did that command. I did not do that command or that thing that the king commissioned out of my own strength, my own power, my own authority. I had to stamp the approval of the king to go and do in the kingdom what the king commissioned me to do. So as, as his church and as his disciples, as his followers, we are entrusted by a government or an official body with authority to do something. And because of that, Jesus starts the Great Commission in Matthew 28 verse 18 and he says, All authority of the universe has been given to me. And I, I kind of wondered, why would Jesus, when sending out his disciples, start with this um, instruction? Why would he say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me? Why would Jesus, why would Jesus say to you and I, before we go out, before he even gives us a commission, before he even speaks to us what we've got to do as his church and as his disciples, say, I've got authority. You see, Jesus um, speaks about three main things in this passage. And, and the first one, he speaks about authority. The second one we're going to look at, he speaks about our assignment. And then he speaks about assurance. So as we go out with this commission to go out and go make disciples, he gives us his authority. He gives us an assignment to do. And with this assignment, he gives us assurance. But let's just look at the first one, authority. He says, all authority of the universe has been given to me. There's a scripture in John 20, 21, where, where Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, so also I send you. Now, I don't know about, about you, but, but many times I, I kind of feel inadequate. I kind of feel, but the world around us is so broken and there's so much pain and it's so lost. How do I have the authority? With what authority do I go out into the world and go make and bring his presence into the area and the sphere that I function in? And that's why Jesus starts with this word. He says, all authority of the universe, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And I thought, why does Jesus start with this? And then I go back to, to, to John 20, 21, where also Jesus spoke to his disciples after his resurrection, and he said, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And that to me tonight is a great encouragement because I know that I don't have to go out into my workplace, and I don't have to go out in, my, in the sphere of functioning and connecting with my friends and connecting with my peers and connecting with my family in my own authority, I can go with the authority that Jesus gives me. And this is a very powerful statement. When Jesus says in John 20, 21, he says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And with what authority does Jesus speak? He says with the authority, all authority of heaven and in earth. That means you and I, as his followers, as his, as his disciples, and, and we as his church, his body, we have the authority, we have the ability to actually go out and go change the world around us with his 
presence. And the second thing that Jesus said was he gives us an assignment. He said, now, because you have authority, because just as the Father sent me, I also send you, I equip you with my word, with my spirit, with the fellowship that we have with one another. But he says, I give you an assignment. Do you know that I'm the king, I've given you my authority, and you can go out in my name. He says, but because you've got the authority, no go in my authority. And he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And once again, this, this thing that I said in the, uh, in the beginning, the statement that I made, that I said that it's not a great suggestion, it's a great commission. Once again, in verse 19, there's no confusion of what we are called to do. No confusion. Jesus says, go in that authority that I've given you. And go make disciples of all nations. So there's no confusion of what we're called to do. And, and, but the question now is, what is a disciple? What is a follower of Jesus? In the days when Jesus lived, you, you had people in the religious system, and they were called rabbis. And in those days, right about the age of six, the boys and the girls would go to, to school. And what they had to do, they had to memorize, they had to learn the Torah. Now, the Torah um, is the first four books of the Bible. And from age six to around about age 10 or 12, they had to know the Torah off by heart. Now, just go to your Bible tonight and, and j just take your Bible and, and, and go and see the challenge that is. Imagine Whenever you came, become, becomes a partner of the church the, church, the church tells you, all right, all of the Gospels of the New Testament, whenever you want to uh, be a member of the church, you'll have to stand before a panel and you'll have to quote from Matthew till the end of John, everything off by heart. I don't think there would be any partners in the church. Maybe the super partners, the super fenueta. But they had to know this, this off by heart. And, and then from the age of 12, they took the best of the best. Those who, who really were intellectual and they, know, they knew everything. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and they took them and they assigned them to a rabbi. And what the rabbi did was he walked with them then for another 18 years where they had to know and, and, and learn the whole of the Old Testament as we know it off by heart. And they would sit with this rabbi and they would follow this rabbi everywhere that he goes. They would really go to a place where they commit themselves to this rabbi. And there was a saying that they said that you were following your rabbi, you were following so close in the footsteps of your rabbi that, that the dust as your rabbi walked with, and you walked with him every day, the dust that he kicks up, you were covered in his dust. And they call it in the dust of a rabbi. And then at the age of 30, uh, you could become a rabbi yourself. 
So a disciple means to, to become a follower of a leader. And when Jesus says, so take my authority, go out into the nations and make disciples, he really says go out to, to, to the nations and, and teach them everything that I've commanded you. You have the capacity to bring hope and restoration, faith into our world of functioning. Everywhere we go, everywhere we function, wherever we, we work, we take that what we, what, that was imparted to us through Jesus and through the Word, and we go and impart that to people around us. And so we have the ability, the capacity to go and bring hope and restoration and faith into the world that we function in. The question is, how do we go and make disciples? Well, we think differently as followers of Jesus. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to to the patterns of this world. And and really what it says is, do not be conformed. Do Do not conform to the way of thinking or the same way that the world thinks about things. But get the word and get the perspective of the word and let the word of God shape your way of thinking. So we have the capacity to go and bring hope, a different way of thinking, restoration, a different way of thinking, even faith into our world of functioning. What is our assignment as we, as we go and make disciples? We speak differently. I love the scripture in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 where it says, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, let no one look down on you because of your youth. So Timothy was still a, a young pastor and actually had a, he had a big congregation, but, but he was still a young pastor and he had some issues in his pastoring and he didn't really feel that he was making it as a, you know, as a pastor. And you know, he had challenges and he had influences from outside and, and he was kind of discouraged. And then Paul comes and Timothy was a disciple of Paul and he says, let no one look down on you because of your youth. He says, but be an example and set a pattern for the believers in speech and in conduct and in love, in faith and in moral purity. And I think that captures for me personally what it means when Jesus says, go out and go make disciples. Go out into our places of functioning and and just go and be an example of what the word, the gospel, the good news has done in my life and just go take and, and impart and just go live it in the spaces where we function. And that's our assignment. You see, we influence the world around us with the flavor of Christ. And I'm going to ask Corbis in a moment just to come up and we're just going to have a little bit of a chat and a conversation just to end off this, this series where we say that we are commissioned to go out, but but this is what, in essence, what we are called to do, to go out and, 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 and just to be the flavor of Christ in the world that we function, whether in our homes, whether at school, whether at university. But the question is, what is the flavor of Christ? Well, I think Paul answers, answers this question in, um, in 1 Timothy. He says, he says, in our speech, in our conduct, the way that we behave and the way that we, that we present ourselves and in our love, in our faith, moral purity. We can show a world that that is broken 
systemic brokenness because there's, there's a different kind of conduct. There's no love. There's no hope because there's no faith. There's no moral purity. And we can just take this, this new life in Christ and we go take it into the places where we function. And then Matthew 28 verse 8 verse, verse 20 just captures this for me when Jesus gives us an assurance. And he says, never forget. And that to me is so profound. Jesus kind of, you know, he, he, he makes an, a big statement and he, and, he, and he makes an acclamation on this. He says, never forget. Because how often, and I don't know if it's just me, you don't have to put up your hand, but, but how many times do we face situations where we say, Father, I want to bring your flavor into this situation. I want to bring your flavor and your influence and, and your conduct and your speech and faith into the space, but I get challenged with that. How many of you sometimes feel like that in your workplace or with your friends or when we're standing around the braai? Yesterday I was driving and uh, I saw a, a specific political party. I was actually laughing at this. Uh, you know the, 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 the sign poles or the, the lamp poles? And they put up their, their posters. And um, this was a green poster. Now, I don't know if you know which one is the green posters. But there was green posters. <laughs> and there was guys with a bucket there. And they had the ladder. And they were taking their red posters. And they were putting it over the green posters. And um, I was looking. I was in the, in the second lane. And, and, and to the right of me. There was a, a guy with a bucky. Now, you know a, a real Buddha bucky with the big wheels and the big lights and the 300 one Mac mounted at the back. And him and his wife were sitting there, and, and he was like his window was down, and he was having this big conversation with these guys. And as I was just thinking about this, I, I realized that that our conduct and that what the flavor that we want to bring to the places where we function gets challenged by the world system. It's just the truth. And then sometimes we want to give up and sometimes we lose hope and we say, well, Father, you know, I'm just going to do my work and, and I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to be part of my church family and I'm going to be part of my cell group and I'm going to, but my prayer life and my, my Christian walk is my life. But you see, that's, 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 what, that's exactly the place where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us there where the, where the shoe, the tacky hits the tire, the pawpaw hits the fan. That's where Jesus wants us to go and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that's what he's commissioned and called us to do. And there, therefore, he says, never forget in those times where we get kind of discouraged and we get kind of to a place where we say, well, I don't know if I, I'll, I'll be able to, to bring this flavor or this influence into the space. Jesus says, never forget that I am with you every day. So whether we are at work, whether we are with our families, whether we are having a braai on a Friday night, our speech, our conduct, our love, our faith, our purity of mind and of heart and of speech. We are called to, to, in those places, just bring that flavor into the conversation 
into the engagement, into the meetings. And he gives us the insurance with the command and the assignments. He says, I am with you. I'm going to ask Corbis to come up and we're just going to have a little bit of a conversation about this and we're going to end off uh, the series with, with this conversation. But before we get there, we are a missional church. With the Great Commission, Jesus really calls us and he says, he says, you and I have got all authority in heaven and earth and that same authority lives inside of us. And then he says, go out and go be that be that flavor in the world around us. And, and therefore, we are a missional church. We are called to go out into the world. I don't know, Quibbers, I, I, we, we sometimes joke and we say, you know, we've, sometimes we've got this mentality in church where we say it's us four, no more. And it's just about, you know, being cozy in church. And it is great to be cozy. It's a place where we should feel safe and it's a place where we should engage and, and it's a place where we grow. But it, but we've got this mentality sometimes, us four and no more, and, and we forget that we are a missional church. And we do need the buildings, we do need the lights, we do need the equipment, the programs, we need, we need the gatherings on a Sunday, the small groups. But our church life and our, our engagement in church is really to equip us to go out into the world to bring the good news of freedom to our environment. And the um, question is, how do we do this practically? I mean, I think we were chatting in the week and, and we said, well, sometimes it, it, it can be a challenge because not all of our colleagues are angels. How many of your colleagues are angels? How many of them are, you know, <laughs> well, except for me and Quibbers now and Johan and... Christian and my, Diana, my right? colleagues are definitely not angels. <laughs> but the challenge is that we work with, with people and we work with, with, with broken systems. Um, how do we go and live out this commission practically? I think it's, a, it's, it's such a deep and I think uh, difficult question. And I think I want to point out uh, attention to that sign there, family on mission. Because that, I mean, that changed my life personally, that statement. To know that we are this family coming together every week uh, and, and coming together to be equipped and to learn uh, the word and to grow closer to Jesus. But that's the first part, the family part. As we come together, we get to know each other. There's family, there's communion, there's, there's fellowship and all these things. But then most churches actually just stay with the family part. It's that what you said, the, the us four no more, the holy huddle uh, everybody coming together and all of us are on the same page. But we forget about the second part, the fact that we're on mission. Um, and uh, so many thoughts, but if I can give, give one, I think for me what, what, what makes it practical for me is actually to think of who's asking this of me. And I think you touched on that, the fact that there's a, there is an authority figure that asks us, not asks us, that tells us to go. There's this, this person named Jesus who's been given all authority. He is the king of the universe, and he says, go. <laughs> and that ought to be something in my heart that, that stirs me to go. The practical side of it, if I can chat about that. So I think it is difficult, and especially for us to, to imagine going out into a workplace where people are hostile to God. We just sit around and sing Kumbaya all day long. It's amazing. We do Bible study the whole day. It's incredible. And we only work on Sundays, which is awesome. Um, 
really not the case, really not the case. But to, I, I can imagine, just if I look out at the people, uh, what, I know a couple of, of you guys' professions, and I can just think how difficult it must be. Uh, we had this chat in our, in our small group where we've got w one person, she's a doctor, um, and just her struggle in, she just wants to pray for people to be healed. <laughs> we've got another person who's in HR, sitting with conflict situations, and, and she just wants to be like, all right, guys, let's stop and let's pray about this. And you can't do that. There's literally red tape in it. And I think it comes back to what you said, Almar, about being fragrant. Um, it, that's not the only way that we, we evangelize, but I think it's in 2020 and uh, in 2021 and 22, it's going to be the most, uh, the best way to evangelize is really just to internalize the gospel, be part of your church family, and really just be that. That's what we said in week two. I think it's, it's to be a Christian, to live a Christian outside. It's to live in a different mentality. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, it makes sense. And I was just thinking we were, it was a, just a joke also, but we were standing around the, the Bry place and, and actually that's where all the really serious, funny, weird and wonderful, but the deep stuff comes out, right? When you speak about these things and we were speaking about about it one time, and, and this friend of mine said, well, I think I'm at that little level of Christianity now that if my boss just challenges me again, I'm just going to say, come out. <laughs> and then we were joking about it, and I said, listen, don't do that. You're going to get fired, man, you, you got, you got to, and, and you, you will have no reference for the future. But exactly, Quibus, I think... If, if I can cut into that, I think that's, that's such a big thing. Um, I had this guy... Uh, I was at a school before I um, became a worship leader. I was a, a tree worker at a school um, for three or four years in Bloemfontein. And there was this one guy, I always tell the story of JP. You know, JP was, was weird. Like JP was just really weird. JP was radically, radically saved on a church camp. His mother is a stripper at a strip club in Bloemfontein. He grew up in that, that arena of life. So this guy, totally lost, totally just addicted to pornography and drugs and alcohol. And he goes to a church camp to meet girls, and his life is radically changed. And JP, I had to have these discussions with JP where I said, JP, don't be weird. <laughs> because he would do exactly that. He would go out, and I mean, he had the passion. He was on mission. But he went out uh, in break time, and he went to like the, the rugby field, uh, to, the, to the pavilion where the, <laughs> the naughty kids are. And he would just go and say, like, no, you're going to hell, man. And I was like, that's not helping. You're not, that's not evangelism. That's not how it works. And I told him, rather, JP, you handle your stuff and really live out the gospel in your life and allow people to come to you in, instead of going to them. Now, there are situations where we have to go, and, and I think that's where the Spirit has to guide us. When is the time to engage and say, yo, man, I think this discussion needs to be about Jesus? And when is it just smarter and more wise to just sit back and wait for that person and, and let them see your life? Don't be a JP. Don't be weird. And I think it's just about us um, going out and just talk and act differently. Have you ever had a friend that you knew needed prayer? And um, yeah. how, many, how many times we, we, we know somebody that works with us or a friend or a colleague or even a family member but we, don't, we know they don't go to church and because we know they don't go to church or they're not connected with the church or maybe you know not living their lives as, a, as they should for, for Jesus we, we, we kind of don't have the the, the, um, 
to, to go and pray for them. But have you ever encountered anybody that you asked, can I pray for you, that said no? You know, and, 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 and we say tonight, we just want to make this practical. We just want to go and, and say the commission that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples with his authority can be as simple as just saying to somebody at your workplace or somebody that you study with or your colleague or whoever, can I pray for you? And I've never account, encountered anybody that said, well, no, I don't want your prayer. In fact, if I can just give a little short testimony, there was a guy in, in, Art, in Artis, and uh, he, was a, he was an um, educator uh, um, in a school there, and I knew this guy, and he had, quite a, he had quite a rough life. He was a young guy, and he was really enjoying his life, and, uh, but a lot of issues, and he couldn't fight the, find the right girl, and well, one day I said to him, well, where do you look for the right girl? That's maybe why you don't find the right girl, because if you look in the wrong places, probably you're not going to find her there. But he had a lot of just challenges in his life. And, and one day I went to him and I said to him, my friend, I just want to give you the scripture. I said, I was thinking about you last night and I was praying for you. I actually WhatsApp, what, WhatsApp, uh, I sent him a WhatsApp. And, and I said, I just want to send you this WhatsApp. And, and I, God just wants to tell you, he knows about you, he loves you, and he's got a plan for your life. And he didn't respond. And I was thinking, okay, I offended this guy now and he's not going to talk to me ever again. And then two weeks later, I got this phone call from him and I said, how's it, buddy? How are you doing? He says, listen, man, can we please, now, I know, but this is what, he said, can we please go out for a beer? <laughs> because that was his way of, I said, yeah, let's go out for, for a cool drink. And, and um, in that place where we just connected and we, he said, listen, the scripture that you sent me, really touched me, and it got me thinking, and I want you to pray for me. If I could also maybe share one testimony. At the same school where I was, uh, there was a, a Muslim uh, teacher, uh, Mrs. Warda Jabbar, and she uh, w went through a very tough time, all the women. She actually gave school with my dad, so she knew me, kind of. So um, they, were, they were colleagues uh, in the department, and one day, she's, she's uh, Muslim and uh, observes everything um, that comes with that. And the same thing, I mean, one day she actually came to me now, part of my job was to just support the teachers as well. So she came and she, she said uh, she's going through a situation with her daughter, um, a bit of conflict and stuff. Um, do I have any advice? And I, I literally just said, I don't really have advice, um, but if you'd allow me, I'd love to pray for you. And now that you, that you asked that, actually, I mean, a, a Muslim woman, and she embraced it, really. She just said, I would love that. Thank you very much. Um, and I just told the, the, God, the God I serve gives me peace every day. And I trust that if you reach out to him, he'll give you peace. And that's actually just an awesome testimony where literally I, don't, I can't think of anybody who said, no, thank you. No prayer for me. No, thank you. No, no scripture. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, I can't, can't think of one. So just to wrap up tonight, and, 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 and we're going to just facilitate a moment where we want to commission uh, Every one of us tonight to say, God has called us. God has got a mission. We are a, we are, we are a, we are a missional church go, uh, called to go out into every space and sphere that we function in and just to go take that good news of the gospel and uh, use words when necessary. But when we are in a space where, in a boardroom where you sit and the people say, well, the economy is not going well and all about this and about that, we can say, you know what? We trust and I have faith and let's just take a moment and pray and, and there's hope and there's a future. 
Um, but we just want to facilitate this moment. And we just, we just, we trust in God that this place, Toxedale, Meersdal, this evening service, will be a place where people can come in, where they can be saved and where they can be equipped um, with our fellowship and our small groups and all the things that we do, but that we can also then go out again, be commissioned, and go change the world around us where we function. So, Kovas, I just, maybe you can just lead us in a prayer and, and maybe just give an invitation, Christ's invitation to this calling um, of going out and being his disciples. Maybe we can stand uh, just where you are. And I really want to challenge you. Don't, don't take lightly this moment. I'm talking to you. Yes, you. I'm not looking at anybody. Yes, you. <laughs> I'm speaking to every single one of you tonight. And I want you to, if you're comfortable, it helps me when I do this, just to stretch out your arm like this, your arms like this, with your, with your palms raised up. And for me, this is just a certain signal of, it's nothing weird. It's just a signal of, Lord, I'm ready to receive. Because I believe he wants to give you a calling tonight. I believe God wants to come and give you a calling to be his disciple, to be a follower of him in your world. So with your arms just stretched out, won't you just receive this? Father, I pray in this moment that through your Holy Spirit you would come and empower us to be, to be your witnesses in Alberton. Father, please come as you did in Acts and, and empower us to go and speak boldly your word, Lord. I pray, Father, that every person with outstretched arms, Lord, that they would in this moment just receive a fresh calling over their lives, Lord. Let them experience mission in their life. Let them experience a calling to the mission field, Lord. Not to China or Japan or, or Iraq or wherever, Father, but just in their workplace that they would experience you calling them to be your witness there, to be your fragrance, to be salt and to be light in their workplace, Father. Thank you that you're calling them. Thank you that you are sending us, Lord. And I pray lastly, Father, as we walk out of these doors, we would realize we're now entering the mission field. Wherever we go, we take your presence with us, Lord, and we thank you for that opportunity. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this moment. I, pr I thank you for each life, Lord. I thank you that we are your sent ones, your disciples. We praise you. Amen. Amen.